Hello everyone, welcome to the Red Leaf Card, your home for Canadian soccer news and topics. I'm your host, Jacob Charuk. On this episode, we'll be talking about Toronto FC, of the drama, and what's wrong with the team. But first, here's your fixtures rundown. Club Lyon beats LAFC in the first leg 2-1. Forge FC lost to York United 2-1. Vancouver FC lost to Pacific FC 3-6. Calvary FC draws with Forge FC 1 apiece. Atletico Ottawa beats Halifax Wanderers 2-0. And discussing about this uh, drama and what's wrong with Toronto FC with my guest, Jason Whistle. Jacob, thanks so much. How are you doing today, man? Doing great. And a lot of drama around uh, Canadian soccer. And it's basically in Toronto. Yeah, I don't know if you can really pinpoint where the wheels kind of fell off with TFC because, you know, in, in previous episodes when we were talking about them, we were like, okay, they're middle of the table. You know, they're not, you know, they're not winning. They're not really losing. They're just kind of there. Um, but the wheels have really started to fall off. I mean, they currently sit in 12th in the Eastern Conference in MLS with you know a meager 18 points but i mean it's not all doom and gloom but it's i don't even think necessarily it's the performance on the pitch but it's the performance off the pitch and and they've had a number of problems lately you know we talked about that brawl that happened in the stands which you can't really fault the team for that you can fault the organization for not having proper security in place but you can't really fault the players you know, and they have had a number of injuries this year. Like you've got some some big name players that are on the sidelines right now, getting healthy and not on the pitch. But I mean, I'm I'm going to ask you, Jacob. Like, where where did this all go so wrong? Like, in your opinion, what's the start of the downfall? I think the downfall might be on the starting of the fans. I think. They just had enough with, oh, they, they can't win any matches. And they're really not interested in having any draws or any loss because it's might be, it might be all about Bob or even might be on Bob Riley, for example. But I think even you could bl- blame on the, on the players. For example, Bernadeschke had a lot of drama with um, Bob Bradley. And he had to sit out for a match for for his behavior. And what actually happened? Toronto FC won. But did the fans um, accept that win? No, they didn't. They just wanted Bernadeschi to play. And they think this, this whole thing. But what if Bernadeschi did not play all, this, all these matches? I think there is a weight of expectation when it comes to Bernadeschi. I mean, you think about it, you know, he's he's the most expensive player on your team. He came in, you know, heralded and lauded. And, and it's not just on him, too. Lorenzo Insigne is, has barely found the back of the net this season, you know, potting only two goals on the campaign so far. You know, those are your top two paid players on the roster. Now... I I do want to I, I want to I want to make sure that we know exactly where we stand here. Bob Bradley is currently in his second season with the club only. You know, so he's inheriting a team that went from uh, championship caliber, and even if they weren't winning, they were at least competing for the championships. Like we're talking like top tier, and then pretty much since the pandemic, it started to kind of fall down. Um, and and I do appreciate, you know, the, they say you're not supposed to talk about momentum in sports, but yes, there is momentum in sports. But I mean, it's one of those things where, you know, it's been a downhill slide. And then Bradley was brought in to try and right the ship. And, you know, you you bring in Bernadeschi, you bring in Insignia. So you're bringing in these these overseas talents in order to be able to boost the, cl- you know, the club's on-pitch performance. 
And last year, I mean, Bernadeschi found the net last year. So did Insignia, not to not to the same tone and not to the same numbers. But you can't you can't just sit there and say, you know, in a year and a half, everything's going to be all peachy keen and hunky dory, right? These course corrections in a team's trajectory take time. You know, you can't just say, you know, put in one player or put in a new coach and have everything fix itself. It doesn't work that way. And, you know, from the fans being upset with with draws, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, have you ever soccered before? Because it, it kind of happens a lot. I mean, I, I appreciate there are weaknesses in this team and you are still coming off of the you know, the, the reality of you had a championship team and now you definitely don't, you know? And then there was the stretch where you had your team, but they couldn't play in your country. And last year, I think it was, it was a, uh, a honeymoon period. You know, TFC was playing back at home. Things were starting to get back to normal. We started to feel like we had turned the corner on the pandemic. But the problem is once you get past that honeymoon period, you start to see the real product that's on the field. And it's, it's not the same. It's not going to be the same as that championship you know, caliber team. And you can't blame injuries on the coach. You just can't, you know, but I'm going <laughs> to, Bernadeschi came out and talked about, oh, we need to have change. He's been there pretty much as long as Bob Bradley has. You know, in your opinion, is it up to him to be speaking out like that? Or should it be some, some of the long timers? And I, and I do recognize the situation that it has to be. You know, you got Bob Bradley and you got Michael Bradley on the fit, on the pitch. Well, until he got injured. But it shouldn't be those veterans that have been there during the good times and now in the rough times that should be the ones speaking up, as opposed to someone who's been there about as long as the coach. And when I when I think about the fans, always I could go back. I actually go back um, this whole drama of attacking players, like for example, Mark Anthony K. There's even other teams of fans even blaming their players. Like there was a drama with New York city FC. Oh, you're not playing really well. You're not, you're not doing what the fans want. Even for example, LA galaxy. These are the, these are the teams who spent so much money on players and they're not performing well. I think the biggest you know, common denominator with all those teams that you mentioned is that they all have had somewhat recent success, right? NYCFC, it's it's not that long ago since, you know, since they won it all. You know, LA Galaxy, you know, we're talking about a team that at one point was the pinnacle of MLS performance on the pitch, you know? And then, of course, TFC, you had, correct me if I'm wrong, you know, three appearances in the finals in a short stretch of time, one of them being a win. So you've got teams that proved they can do it. And it's in some cases, in very recent memory, proved they could do it. But we all know that sports can change on, on a dime. I do not believe fans should be taking it out on the players. You, you know, scream, fine. You know, uh, stomp your feet, sure, whatever. Don't be throwing megaphones onto the field like that. That that's not called for. Right. And keep in mind too, these players, it's not like they're giving up. It's not like, you know, if, if they weren't playing, if they, if they weren't putting their all in, then yes, yeah, sit them or trade them or just whatever. Right. But they're trying, you know, to sit there and blame a team for not winning and just settling for draws, not even settling, but getting draws, you take out the, you know, the reality that sometimes there are just better teams out there. You know, if a, if a bad team loses to a good team, it's not the end of the world. If a bad team draws with a good team, 
that's something to build from. And it's not like TFC is getting completely blown out of the water, right? You lose one nothing. It's, it's sure you lost. You don't get the points, but it's not like you're an embarrassment on the, these players aren't an embarrassment on the field. There are a few tweaks away from being in the mix for a playoff spot. Yeah, and right now, for example, Vancouver Whitecaps, they're in the Western Conference. They're in the, they're in the playoff seats. Now we're seeing Montreal, for example. They're just one place off of the uh, playoff seats. And you have Toronto, uh, Toronto FC way back. Well, correct me if I'm wrong. It was just like a month ago where we were sitting there talking about uh, uh, about CF Montreal and wondering w- what the heck it would take to to spur them to do well. Well, guess what? You know, I we'll just take credit for you know mentioning everything that they've changed and 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 doing well. But yeah, they started to play better and better. They turned the corner, and now they, you're right. They're they're like one spot out of the playoffs. And that just goes to show you that it do- it doesn't necessarily take much so long as the players that are on the field are healthy and motivated and f- and feeling confident. And I don't think TFC feels confident right now. If your top scorer isn't finding the back of the net and he's complaining about we need change, well, Bob Bradley's not on the on the pitch, kicking the ball. Bernadeschi's got three goals this year. That's it, three. Insignia has only got two, and he and he scored one against Minnesota just yesterday, Saturday, January or uh, June third, with a uh, with uh, with assisted by Richie Leary. Yeah, you know, and you take a look at that list of players that are out, Bradley. Osorio, Vasquez, you got six players total on the on the not available list. You know, you don't have much in the way of room. So it's one of those things where you do have to give some leeway and sit there and say, for the players that we still have on the pitch, we're actually doing pretty good. And when you're top scorers, I mean, what was the talk about the Leafs? And I know I recognize we're a soccer podcast here, but what was the talk about the Leafs when they got bounced in the second round? When your top scorers aren't doing their job, you're not going to win. Well, here, your top scorers aren't doing their job. That's Bernadeschi and Insigne. So how is that Bob Bradley's fault? You know, when you admittedly, when you have that few or that many players on the injury list, you're going to be depleted, you know, and the onus is going to be on the few players up front that that can still score. But if you know your if your weapons aren't all there, then that that's fewer problem points that they have to actually defend against. So, yeah, it's it's one of the things where all you've got if if all you have left up there. Right, it really is Bernadeschi and and Insigne. You don't have much to cover, and I, I could um even for example when when fans always say um Bob Bradley out and other uh, other people for example they don't even talk about Ali Curtis for example he he's the one who decides who, who to sign in the in the transfer market. And this whole drama with um, saying oh, Bob Bradley out, and they also go after Bill Manning. Bill Manning has nothing to do in the control uh, of signing players. Of it, he has a different he has a different role of it. I've seen so many drama with saying Bob Bradley out, Bill Manning out, but not even saying anything about Ali Curtis. He's the one who does the managing. Bob Bradley is the coach. I think they're trying to basically try to, I have no clue why they're trying to dodge some some, uh, person that is um, doing the managing of signing players. 
But the question is, it really is the question that if you're trying to get all, all these people that actually work for the Toronto FC, if you get rid of them and you sign new, new, um, new staff and nothing has changed, who, who's really, what is the real problem? Well, you have to think too, you know, you take a look at the contract situation and you got Bernadeschi till 26. Like that's a, that's a long time and you're going to have to build the team around him. You know, you have a number of contracts actually expiring this year and you have to sit there and say, what's the mood like, you know, in, in the dressing room, right? Are they motivated? Are they confident? Cause I'm not going to lie. You watch them in their defensive end and TFC does not look confident at all. I have to agree with that. I think that every single time they're they're not doing really well in all these matches. But it is the question if some of the players are injured is the ones that are holding them back in holding them back. Well, I mean, you can't blame an injured person for you know as holding a team back. You know, you take a look at the the, the starting lineup uh, against Minnesota this past weekend, right? And if you know that you're you're letting in goals, you know, it's smart to go with a 3-3-4 formation. But, you know, and and there were there was some decent defensive work against Minnesota, but you know, it's an unfortunate bounce, you know, an unfortunate deflection that, you know, changes a win into a, you know, a, a last minute's draw. Like TFC didn't look bad, but they still didn't look changed. And I think you you do. You have to look at Montreal. They had a lot of problems and a lot a lot of poor performances at the beginning of the season. And they've turned it around. And it's not too late. It's not. Now, you're going to lose Richie Larea on June 30th. Yeah, his um he just got um, signed to another team from his uh, loan. Yeah, so, so the loan is ending. So there's another hole you're going to have to fill. You know, I, 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 I truly believe that this year you have to consider that it's a write-off year. It is. You know, let your good players heal. Deal with the players that you, who do you want to bring back? Right. And I'm just taking a look at the, the contracts that are expiring at the end of this year. Gutierrez, Mbongu, Sapong, uh, Babalka. And again, I apologize if I messed up any names. Uh, Victor Vazquez, Antonglu, Ramjasing. Like you, you have a number of players that you're going to have to decide whether they're back next year or not. And if they're not, who are you going to replace them with? Where are you going to get them from? You know, there's, there's only so many players, really. And um, so I'll, I'll put it to you, right? Strictly looking on the pitch, okay? Because the coach, the GM, they're not the ones kicking the ball. The fans, they're not the ones kicking the ball. On the pitch, where right now is TFC the weakest? I think usually uh, right now during their striking, I think usually their fronts are um, the worst at this point. I think even right now, I think it might be every position at this point, but you can't even make a goal at, at this point. They're not doing well in scoring at this at this season. I think it... You're seeing right now the weak side of it is is the front. Yeah, I mean, we, we mentioned, right? Bernadeschi is your top scorer. He's got three goals on the season, right? Obviously, he's not going anywhere anytime soon. But the thing is, you know, as much as they're not scoring, it's they're not giving up as much. You know, you got 16 goals for 20 against. It's a minus four differential. You take a look at the, you know, at New York Red Bulls, who, yes, admittedly, um, are 
just ahead of Toronto, TFC by one point, but they've only scored 11 times this year. Still, with a goal differential of minus five. Montreal is storming back, and I think their minus 12 goal differential, which is the absolute worst in the East, is... It's not indicative of the team that... It feels like two different teams for Montreal. And TFC, while they're not... <laughs> they're not the bottom. They're not the worst. But they're not finishing. They're halfway there, you know, and nine draws. That tells you right away, right? Like, it's almost like they're happy to walk into those games with the point. So with Montreal, I think the the record is not as good as the team on the field right now. Uh, With TFC, I think the, the record is very indicative of the team. And maybe it's a bounce here or there. Maybe it's one less injury, but it could be better. But I don't. I don't think like fans shouldn't be that ticked. You know, you you take a look at you know and NYCFC who won more recently than TFC did. Not that not that long ago. Exactly, they're one point behind Toronto in the standings. You know, it's you know Inter Miami, five wins, eleven losses, no draws. So it's all or nothing for them, you know. Are are you a victim of the bounces? Are you a victim of the injuries? None of that is on the coach. So all this talk about Bob Bradley needing to go, I I, I think it's the fans looking for a finger to point. Yeah, I I think really it's just all all to blame. It, it just goes back, for example, that whole drama from the Canadian Championship, it wasn't me. I didn't do that. Yeah. I just want to be angry. And and now you see the whole drama. Now, if Bill Banning's uh, name is called up, they just boo. Just because of his performance uh, of the season. Which, which is unfortunate because... You know, not not every year you're going to be in the mix. And the league is getting bigger and the talent pool is thinning out. And there's only so much you can do with the money that you have. You know, ask the players, the ones who have or are, are taking the, the, the lion's share of that team payroll. Where Where's the output? Where's... where's the return on that salary before you start pointing at the coach who's been there just as long as you have, but that's TFC. I I do think it's going to come around, but I think the leadership needs to be on the field. You know, when Michael Bradley's on the pitch, there's that veteran leadership. You know, when Jonathan Osorio's on the pitch, there's that veteran leadership. And I'm not I'm not discounting the talent that Bernadeschi and Insigne have. But when it's all on them and they don't have that midfield and backfield support, you're 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 lucky to to get that draw. Yeah, and um and for example, right now Lorenzo Insigne had the captain's band it during the Minnesota United match. I think now Lorenzo Signe could actually have a lot of pressure for TFC uh, on TFC fans if they're not going to win win matches. But the uh, but the problem with the fans, why are they defending Bernadeschi and Lorenzo Signe? That's my question mark at this point. That and that's really something I've always, always uh, think think about about the fans, why you're defending these fans, uh, actually these uh, two players. It's hard to say because again, these play, these guys were brought in, you know, from overseas because of their talent, because of what they were able to do over there. And, you know, it's not happening this year. And, you know, right now you've got the fans pointing at the pitch 
Bernadeschi pointing at the sidelines, uh, sidelines pointing back at the players. Like it, it, it feels like that Spider-Man meme where everyone's pointing at everyone at this point. And at some point, someone's going to get up and say, this is what we need to do. And they're going to get on a roll. And it may not be this year. And it may not be with the with the squad that you see on the pitch for the rest of the season. But the other thing is that let's say you you swap out Bradley. Let's say you get rid of your coach. Let's say let's say you do a complete sideline and front office overhaul. Fine. Now you have to have a new system in place. You're gonna have players that, you know are going to feel like it's a, it's an environment where the players are dictating the the shots with management as opposed to management making the deals to help the team. And is that a good environment to come sign with? You have to think about what's what is the perception for the player? What really what's the selling point for a player to come and sign with TFC right now given everything that's go, that's going on? If I'm a free agent, I don't want to walk into that. So this season, they need to turn it around. They need to show cohesion on the field, a good player-coach relationship, and moving forward. Then you're going to get players back interested in signing. I remember the last time that fans blamed on a player. It was... They blamed Josie out the door. That was the last time I heard fans just uh, not liking the performance of Josie out the door. When was like the time you're going to start uh, pointing the finger on players? Well, I mean, there were times when the, when the fi- I remember the the finger being pointed at uh, Sebastian Giovinco as well. You know, like yeah, players are going to go through slumps. It's not an individual sport. You know, but you, know, you you can't deny that that Josie Altidore's contributions didn't help bring that championship home years ago. You know, so it I you know the players know it's a what have you done for uh, what what have you done for me lately situation, and lately it hasn't been that good. It hasn't been horrible. It's been there. That's what you get when you get a lot, you know, nine draws on the season. But Montreal proved you can turn it around. And if you take a look over at the CPL, you know, York United is proving you can turn it around. We were, you and I were both talking about how York United, like what's going on. And now they're sitting in third. It's proof positive that TFC can do it. You just need to honestly address the problems on the pitch and figure out how to make it work. Yeah, the um, whole whole thing about York United. Usually I talk, I talk about this old question about Toronto FC fans. Majority of Toronto FC fans don't even know even what the Canadian Premier League is. And they never even heard about York United. They didn't even know that Dwayne De Rosario's son actually plays in that league, even in that team. And that should be a wake-up call. Like, for example, even international players that play for the Canadian team, Michael Petrasso also played, also plays for York United. Um, even, for example, Nico Giansopoulos. He, he was called up for uh, Vancouver Whitecaps because of injuries for that uh, for that team. But he, he didn't have the chance to actually play just for basically a backup. But still, but I, I still think that if you look at York United, it's, it's actually, a, I think some Toronto FC fans, if you don't, if you don't want to see the whole drama you could just go to some York United games if you don't want to see this whole drama being upfold and see them lose every single time. You don't like the draws, and if you want to, if you want to see everything that's basically Canada, you could go to York United match. 
But I don't. I, but I don't think they just don't. They just think that it's not popular that much. And I think that there's a problem with this whole this this whole thing that they think Major League Soccer just brings in the big players, but Canadian Premier League could actually make Canadian players improve to go to big leagues. Well, I mean, the thing is, you know, soccer fans are going to know, right? Obviously, the players are going to know as well, you know, but, you know, it, it just doesn't get the as big a notice or at least as, as far as a national notice goes. But, I mean, the game is still the game, right? Teams can turn things around. It's proof. Because last year, York United was one of the better teams in the CPL. And with the beginning of this year, it wasn't looking good. You had ownership questions. You had attendance questions. And you had on-field performance questions. And somewhere along the way, someone started to say, hey, we need to, we need to turn the ship around. It's not too late. It's not too late to salvage the season. In fact, it was early enough that now they've won the last three straight. They're sitting in third place in CPL, right? They're doing much better. You know, Ottawa, who was, you know, one, one of the top teams last year, now sitting in fifth. But for the most part, the table's starting to feel a lot like last year's with Vancouver taking the place, uh, you know, that Edmonton kind of held. But the thing with York United is that when the team as a whole sits and honestly asks themselves, what what's going wrong? How do we tweak these things? And you make the changes and you see the results. And that's a positive feedback situation. We change this. This did well. Let's keep doing that. And then you can sit there and isolate the little problems that come up after that when you realize what the big problem is. Montreal did it. York United's done it. The best teams do do it. But with the CPL, I mean, it's a little different too. You know, with TFC, you're dealing with a team that sits in 12th in the Eastern Conference in a, you know, in a conference that has 15 teams in a league that's got 30. CPL, you're dealing with what, eight? So yes, admittedly, it's a it's a much smaller microcosm of a situation where catch it early enough, you can turn it around very quickly. TFC is going to have a bit of a longer climb, but if they get healthy and they start to get that positive feedback from changes that they make. It's regardless of what the of what level the league is, wherever you draw your inspiration from, it can be done. Yeah. Um like right now, the Canadian Premier League just having to wait for two more teams um, to expand, having in uh, Saskatoon and Win- uh, Windsor, mm-hmm. and it, it's going to grow. It's going to grow um, soon. Yeah, I I want to ask you though, because I mean, th- this one, you know me, you know, I've been kind of big on Pacific, you know, watching them this season. I think they're doing very well, despite the fact that you now they were handily beaten by the Whitecaps in the Canadian Championship. And we'll talk about, about that a little bit later. But you've got Pacific a point behind Forge right now. But to me, Pacific feels like the best team in the CPL, regardless of what the records say. So I'm tossing it to you right now, to you, who's the cream of the crop in the CPL? It really is the question. Yeah, it's really that question mark. Is who who you're actually gonna uh, pick in, in this one? Would it be Forge or Pacific FC? Um, might say Pacific FC. How they're performing right now? Yeah, like we gotta talk about that Canadian Championship game against Vancouver. Yes, they lost and they lost handily. Yes, they were outplayed, but yes, they were playing against a uh, you know a major league soccer team as opposed to a Canadian Premier League team. You know. Pacific had a bad game, you know, and every now and then, no matter what sport, no matter what level, top teams are going to have bad games. It happens. 
And but despite that, all season and all Canadian Championship season, Pacific to me has seemed the best team in the table. And but the thing with Forge is that they always seem to find a way to win. So it's, you know, and when it matters most, you know, the old rule, just make it to the playoffs because anything can happen. Forge has proven that time and time again, but who knows who, I mean, in a month's time, we could be sitting there looking at York United going, how'd they get to the top of the table? Cause I think with that, with that positive feedback from the changes that they've made, York has entered the conversation. York has entered the chat, if you will. And I, I'd be curious. So let me ask you, because obviously you have you have covered the CPL and followed them much longer than I have. So I'm going to ask you: Do you see a scenario this year where Forge is not in the conversation for the championship? For the CPL championship, um, right now you would think you would have to bring maybe like the top three. Uh, right now, maybe York United could actually be like the uh, be could actually be the finalist. You could bring in Pacific FC into this, and right now you have a new system on the on the playoffs. Right now, that the first place or the second second place team are going to be versing each other. And the ones that lose in that uh, first place versus second place uh, get a second chance. So it's now going to be more more competitive for this playoffs. Any question question for the first place and second place in the regular season? It might be for FC and Pacific FC. Which which one is going to have the most struggle in that playoffs? And I would say that maybe York United could actually uh, handle it more better. Since they're doing doing more better, and let's not for, and let's not forget that York just recently beat Forge. Yeah, and right now they, they beat Forge, and, and yeah, Forge FC has been going on a on those times they've for wins and and draws. They've drawn. I think they've drawn to Halifax Wanderers. I think yeah. I think they've drawn to Halifax Wanderers in a match, and. There's uh, there's other teams that could actually be Forge FC. I I just take a look at Forge, and and again maybe this is just me loving an underdog, but you saw, and I'm going to draw another hockey analogy here, so bear with me here. You saw Tampa Bay Lightning get bounced in the first round after kind of limping into the playoffs, but you know Tampa Bay has been to the last three straight Stanley Cup finals. And put an asterisk on 2020 if you want. I don't care. But they were still champions that year. And they were still champions the following year. And, you know, they had a good run against Colorado the following year. Eventually, championship teams run out of steam. And the break is actually sometimes better for them. There is such a thing as too much playing in one year or at least in consecutive years, you do get championship burnout after a while. And sometimes the best thing is a bad year. So you objectively take a look at what needs to be fixed with forge. They've been the best team pretty much since like the, the last few years consecutively, always in the mix, always going, you know, far into the playoffs, if not winning at all after a while, People start to figure out their patterns, their their system, and sometimes players just get tired. So, again, maybe it's just me liking an underdog, but I, I with York coming back, Pacific doing well, you know, Cavalry is still being Cavalry. Let's not forget them. But maybe Forge isn't in the mix come season's end. And York is a perfect example of how quickly things can change in a small league. Even for example, you, you could bring up um, the NBA, for example, like Miami Heat, right? Or the or or the Florida Panthers this year, just make the playoffs. Yeah. Um, now I, I think this is a, qu- a question mark um, about the Canadian Premier League 
awards. Could Bobby uh, Smerionis could actually get robbed for coach of the year? Before I answer that, I'm going to ask you, who would take it aside from him? In my opinion, I think the finalist could actually be Martin Nash. Um, even, for example, the Pacific FC's uh, head coach. But it, it's this whole whole thing about will Bobby Smerionis actually win the coach of the year? He's been always in the finalist. He got he got um, taken during the Island Games. He got beat from Stephen Hart, that that coach for Halifax Wanderers. In my in my opinion, is I think Bobby Smerionis should have won that season. And then later you have Pablo Ducar who won the third season. In the fourth season, Carlos Gonzalez won that. I, I just feel like Bobby Smerionis just gets robbed every single season. But in my opinion, is one of those seasons, Bobby Smerionis should have won Coach of the Year. So I, th- in my opinion, that Bobby Smerionis is always having. Finally, will I actually win it? Because it's been a long time. Even the fans, um, even say that Bobby Smerionis should win this for this season. But but a real question, it is that question. There are other teams that are, that are actually improving that could actually win it. I mean, let's put it bluntly. And we talked about this with, with Bob Bradley. The coach is not the one kicking the ball. You know, so if Forge FC has the best team on the pitch in the entire league, like best players are just going to do the best thing, then the the coach doesn't have to do much, really. But you take a look at, you know, James Merriman with Pacific, right? Bringing Pacific up to a level that is in talk right now to be, to you know, or at least in, in the discussion of best team in the CPL. You got Martin Nash, who you mentioned. Um, honestly, if York United makes noise in the in the in the postseason after a disastrous start, you have to consider that that's what a coach does. Coach makes changes. A coach, of you know, surveys the problem and finds a solution. But if Bobby Smirionis is, you know, if Forge doesn't win it all or at least find themselves in the final like if a good team does well that's the team if a good team doesn't do well it was also the coach's job to help build them back up and maybe that and maybe that's where the 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 bob bradley discussion has come back with the tfc what is bob bradley doing to inspire to get the most out of the players on the pitch you know with bobby smirionis I mean, if, if Forge is in the mix, then yes, absolutely, he's got to be in the conversation. And maybe he's the Susan Lucci of, of CPL coaches, you know, always nominated, never winning. It's possible. But if you're Goliath, David is always going to be the one that's looked at. Right or wrong, it, it's usually the way it goes. Yeah, even, for example, I've heard lots of fans say that... Um... Bobby Smarionis should coach for Toronto FC, but it didn't happen. Not yet. But also, let me ask you, if you're Bobby Smarionis, do you want to step into that situation? Because remember, as the coach, you're just dealing with the system and the players. You're not the one bringing the players in, exactly like you mentioned. So if there's a disconnect with the GM getting the players on the pitch to help the team and fix the product... How much more as a coach can you do? Well, I, I really think that um, I don't think that Bobby Smarionis is going anywhere because he signed a three-year contract with Forge FC. So I think that I think um, Toronto FC has to find another option into this, but they could still um, buy out his contract. Yeah, but again, you know, if that's the situation in TFC. I mean, me personally, I I would not want to be, you know, I wouldn't want to jump ship into that because, you know, 
you come in having been arguably the most, con- if not the best, the most consistent coach in CPL. And you, you, you step into a minefield of a situation with TFC. Maybe not the best option, but stranger things have happened. But I, I just think that in the CPL coach of the year debate, I, I don't think he's in there because he does have the best team on the field for the most part. And you have to take a look at James Merriman and Martin Nash as much more coach-oriented choices for that award. But again, that's just me. Well, could it be uh, this this season's the season could actually um, Bobby Smarion just hope hopefully um, he could actually win it. But can, uh, we could talk about the Canadian Championship. Could Vancouver Whitecaps actually win this um, finals? I would say don't ask me because I've been wrong with pretty much almost every single pick I've made. So, you know, I, I, I would say don't ask me, but I'm 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 still going to put my two cents in here on this one. Um, first things first, let, let's talk about Vancouver for a second. And it's it's really good to know that Ali Ahmad has been um, cleared by the hospital and returning to the team after losing consciousness, apparently on the field and a 17-minute stoppage. Um, so so happy to hear that he's been cleared by the hospital. The thing is, if we're just looking at the match itself, Montreal comes in having defied all expectations. I, I mean, I was sitting here thinking they were going to lose in the first round to Vaughn. That's where Montreal was at the beginning of this tournament. And yet here they are now in the final. Like when I say the turnaround is, is impressive. It's impressive. And they look not necessarily unstoppable, but they look much more determined and a much stronger team than when we first started talking about this tournament. And I wonder how much of that's going to carry on and into this final. Now, did they lose recently to Philadelphia? Yes, they did. But Philadelphia is also one of the best teams in the East. They've drawn to uh, Sporting Kansas City. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, Montreal has done very, very well in turning the you know in writing the ship, which was the which was the Vancouver Whitecaps. They've drawn to. Yeah, and and I think Montreal. I think that Montreal losing to Philadelphia Union. I think I think Montreal will recover from from Major League Soccer season. Even Vancouver Whitecaps is already in the playoff picture. Now it's that uh, it's that question mark that can they bring all um, the whole hundred percent into the Canadian Championship for these two teams. And in my opinion, I would have to go on the white guess because they're really doing well. I I think as much as I have been um, kind of on Montreal's case through this entire tournament, I'm I am here to to great you know gracefully say that I have been wrong this entire way. Uh, Montreal has proven me wrong, so kudos to them. Um, so I'm going to I'm going to flip the script here and go against you and say that I think Montreal carries that that swagger into the final and I think Montreal actually wins it all. I cannot I it can't be downplayed the turnaround that this team has has shown and it's been consistent. Like yes, a stumble against Philadelphia happens. But for the most part, Montreal has figured out what was wrong and righted the ship. Vancouver? Yes, absolutely. They're in a playoff spot in the West. They've been there almost the whole way. They've been steady. And up until, I mean, you saw how handily Vancouver, you know, dispatched Pacific FC, which, you know, as much as I like Pacific, 
it's probably bound to happen. But I, I don't know. I mean, I, I can sit here and say Montreal's going to win and Vancouver's going to prove me wrong yet again. But I wouldn't be surprised if Montreal does find a way to pull it out. They have a chip on their shoulder now. And that carries a lot of weight when it comes to determination. Well, usually everyone was surprised that TSS Rovers actually uh, took out Valor FC. Everyone didn't. Everyone thought that Valor FC was actually going to beat them. There are a lot of parallels with this Whitecaps Montreal final with the Panthers Golden Knights where Montreal is definitely playing the role of Florida in this case and Vancouver is definitely playing the role of of the Golden Knights where the Whitecaps were arguably one of the best teams of the field going in but Montreal time and time again have proven that they are are they're they're here they're game and they're ready to go. So wh- whoever wins, if Montreal wins, that that's a huge cherry on top of the, of the comeback cake. If Vancouver wins, it doesn't diminish what Montreal was able to accomplish. And repeat it. Yeah. But either way, Montreal have, have taken this tournament as a way to, you know, to almost launch themselves back into the MLS playoff conversation. So either way, it's win-win. Yeah, I think that this is going to be also um, a difficult matchup. I think it's going to go really who's the one who actually wins it. Or it could go all the way to PKs at this point. It, w- it would not surprise me. I, I, I predict a bit of a chippy match, I think. You know, obviously not like a Montreal... Toronto match, but I, I, I think they're going to come in, like I said, chip on their shoulder, and I think that's going to play out on the pitch. And they're not going to take any prisoners. And if they lose, it's because Vancouver was just a better team, but they're not going to make it easy for them. Uh, so that's full time in this episode of the Red Leaf Card. Thanks for listening. Until next time, I'm your host, Jacob Taruk, subbing out. <laughs>